podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back again for yet another mid-game week pod as double game week 29 is in progress and blank game week 30 with the first international break, well, the first real one of this calendar year coming up close behind with a Friday deadline this week as well. Recording on Monday night again with the City Palace game going on in the background, hoping for a Cancelo concession, let's be fair, um, as our arrow gets redder and redder as the night wears on. Joined once again uh, by Harry for his second pod. You're right. All good? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, sold Cancelo for a minus four. So hopefully in the next 25 minutes or 20 minutes or so, we get a Palace goal. But it seems more likely that he's going to be the one that puts it in the back than it, I think, having watched the opening half of that game. What are you doing? I know, I know. I went Robertson, but we'll get into all of that in a minute. So yeah, diving straight in, of course, we are who got the assist you can find tom at wgta underscore fpl and you can find myself at fpl underscore harry in this week's pod we'll be starting off with a bit of an update of course as it seems to be now constant midweek updates so all of it with a little bit of an asterisk next to it but then getting into the usual stuff such as our market forces then it will be mainly focusing on blank game week with a little bit of a focus on looking ahead but yeah mainly focusing on blank game week 30 the decisions that we are all facing the listeners' questions will sort of move from the end and sort of fit them in in and around the discussion because, again, most of the listeners' questions come in focusing on the, the game week that we are all have and have been planning on playing ahead for, for the past however long it feels like. Yeah, definitely. Understandably, it's finally here, so it's worth talking about it. Just to mention, it is uh, Monday night, uh, Monday the 14th of March that we're recording this on. So we, we're not going to know um, if you listen to us on Wednesday or Thursday uh, what's happened during the midweek. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll give you we'll give you an update on where we've got to just now. Uh, but first, I suppose we should probably just go back in time very quickly to the double game week we just left, get double game week 28, because we gave you a mid-game week update of how we went. And I was looking quite good at that point. I, I had you know, six players left. I was on kind of, you know, 75. I was looking, oh, I was, I was thinking, oh, you know, I could get to 100 here. Read that I didn't. I didn't at all. I ended up with 85 uh, minus eight. So I got a red arrow last week and it basically came down to a crap Thursday, basically. So on Thursday, I had six players to go. I had Rudiger, who's my captain, Ben Foster, Kilman, Luca Dean, Ryan Fraser and Breuer. And I got 10 points from them because Kilman didn't play. And Rudiger didn't play. Rudiger was my captain indeed. So yeah, only uh, only only the 12 from him were six doubled. And to make matters worse, you saw Tre- Trevor Chalabar scoring the headed goal. And you're thinking, that's Rudiger's goal there. <laughs> he scored. Um, so yeah, 85 minus eight. I just got like a, a very small red arrow basically, but ended up kind of stuck around where I am. And you were having a bit of a horror week. Did it get any better? N- no, it got worse <laughs> as I expected it to do. I finished on 70 all out. I, I, on the final day, I had Saar, I had Jimenez in there as well, but my red arrow got bigger, particularly because Rafinha being my captain only scored one. So sort of the small additions that people had around their team with more doublers than I did um, just sort of moved me down a little bit. So I think I ended the game week about 25k, starting the game week at a 10k rank, which is pretty hefty rank drop at this time of the season, given how spaced yeah. out managers are. So yeah, it was pretty painful. Yeah. And how are you getting on um, this week? 
This week is slightly better. So I took a minus 12, um, very close to the deadline. I made two early transfers early in the week. And then I thought I wouldn't. And about two minutes before the deadline, I added two more to it, which involved selling Cancelo for Robertson. So I, again, hoping for a Palace goal, although I'm just actually more hoping that Cancelo doesn't do a goal and make it even worse for me. I'm on 66 at the moment with a minus 12. Actually, the minus 12 is currently paying off. If Cancelo gets his nine-pointer, then it looks like he is. My transfers that I've bought have still outscored those that I've sold by three so far, and they would be all done, and I would still have four fixtures to play for the players that I've transferred in. So it's not going too badly. Salah, captain, yellow flagged, we'll talk about. I don't think he's particularly that likely to play or start in the second half of it, but it's been okay. Double Liverpool clean sheet. Kulisevsky in, Kane in, both doing a goal and assist in the same one. Matt Doherty not performing for me, but he scary how highly owned he was going from absolutely nothing to like 70% owned in a single game week. Yeah, we were saying at the meetup on Saturday, um, it's, it's mad how far he and Kulisevsky came from absolutely yeah. nowhere. It was like, it was like Vegas when he got over 100% EO. Like it's, it's amazing how quickly the template shifts around depending on the weeks and the vast majority of the top 10k must all be following the same people doing the same strategy because mm. the days of long the days are long gone aren't they where a little differentials like that pay off even though the overall ownership remains pretty low for those players in reality especially in the upper echelons they're absolutely everywhere so yeah you're on 66 at the moment um minus 12 i'm on 66 as well uh, just for the minus four so i bought in matt Doherty and uh kulisevsky so I joined everybody doing that and I sold Kilman and Bowen to do that. And I've got a triple, triple in my squad for the first time in a long time, I should have mentioned. So um, Salah was the captain, so in line with those old objectives, I captained him, obviously. Uh, Salah, Trent and Robertson, all from Liverpool, uh, from Spurs. Uh, I've got Kane, Kulisevsky and... Matt Doherty. And also triple Arsenal, uh, Martinelli, who got the assists. Saka and Ramsdale with that big nine-pointer. That was quite handy. That was quite good. Uh, but yeah, it was a bit mare as well because obviously I bought in the Irishman and I sold Kilman, who came back to score an eight-pointer. And whilst that was going on, Luca Dean, who I kept earmarked for this week coming up, managed to get himself injured within the first 15 minutes and looks like he'll be ruled out for a while. Uh, Gerard said that he's done something, which means he's a big doubt, at least for the weekend. Um, so it's a modest green arrow for me at the moment with that 62 net. But um, Cancelo getting a nine-pointer is probably going to make a massive dent in that, unfortunately. Um, and as I said, you know that being injury and selling Kilman means I was on seven for blank game week 30. I've, I haven't got any free hit. I haven't got a free hit remaining. Um, but now I'm down to six because of Dean. So yeah, my 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 best laid plans of ganged after Glay. I had nine players. I thought I'd be you know, well in with it there, but now I'm looking at probably eight max on the hit, which is a complete and utter pain in the behind. All right, let's move on very quickly to the mini league update. And obviously, as usual, we are mid uh, mid game week. So a lot of these uh, are going to be kind of temporary scores. At the moment in the mini league, Hakon Mangesnes is still top, 97 points this week on a, with a minus four. He bench boosted Captain Salah, uh, brought in uh, Tony, uh, who scored that brace, and also the Irishman, Matty D. In seconds, Santiago Munez uh, by Sam McAfee. Uh, Hakon's now got a 31-point lead thanks to that massive 97-point game week thus far. Sam's got 68 
Triple Capson on Salah. Uh, in third, down from second, it's Lucky Profit, Troy Hope. Triple Capson again on Salah, with just a 60 this week for Troy, sadly. Fourth and fifth, and sixth, actually. Don't move. So, Joachim Lengroff, Artinesta, 72, minus 12. Um, similar to you than Harry, uh, going for the minus 12 with the bench boost. Brett Taylor in fifth. I love Lamptey. 72, minus 12. Triple Captain on Salah. In sixth, Kadira pin drops. Harry Solomon took a minus eight. Captain on Salah. Seventh up from 13th, it's Bruno, number one, James Coe, 82 minus four. He's on his bench boost, as is Chris Turner, the brothers Grimsby. Oh, I know that name. I wonder where I know it from. I don't know. Some net that, net that, net that, some, I don't even know. Something, some sort of basketball, anyway. Um, he, he's on 76 minus eight this week, Captain Salah. And down from eighth to ninth, James S, Larry of Brest, 61 points only for James this week. But he rolled his transfer, um, Salah in there. And in 10th, down from 7th, it's Ryan Mackey, 52 points, minus 4. Again, Salah captaincy. Basically, everybody captains Salah, except for Jokin Lengroff, Kane, uh, who is in 4th. So, um, a big week, potentially, for Jokin, um, yeah. if Kane does show up against Brighton. But for everyone else, especially the likes of Brett, Troy, Sam, who have triple captained, I'm guessing you're all hoping that Harry was wrong. <laughs> you're not going to see uh, Salah not show up. But he wasn't in training today, according to many Liverpool-related fan accounts. There you go. And finally, the market forces. Quite a lot going on here, and most of them kind of make sense, don't they, Harry? Yeah, looking at transfers in, Tony topping it, I suppose, partly because he plays in the blank against the Leicester team. Well, I wish maybe the analysis was that detailed, but I expect it's because he's done lots of goals in not so many matches, five goals in his last two matches. Although most of them coming from the penalty spot, I do think there's a good chance the way that Leicester are defending that that pays off. Saka in second, then you've got Cash, Coutinho, Kulusevsky coming in again. It's highlighted that there's just full of full of blank game week players in here, the ones that maybe people already don't already own that people have been piling on maybe those Spurs assets in recent weeks which is why they're not as high up the list as they are as they are this week so but yeah I think Tony Top I think it's just the the form he's in recently yeah certainly we'll speak about Tony in just a bit I mean you've got to actually wheel pleasingly maybe it's that time of the season now when most people are playing are engaged you've got to wheel a pleasingly long way down to find kind of the oh, wow, they bought him because their knees shut out of control by it. And that's Kai Havertz, uh, 28,000 transfer for him. Luis Diaz, 20K, and Ronaldo, uh, 20K as well. So, you know, they're kind of in the lower half of the transfers in. And transfers out are fairly obvious individuals. Jared Bowen, Jao Cancelo, uh, 47,000 uh, managers have parted ways with him probably hoping, as you are, that Crystal Palace are about to do a goal, which doesn't look very likely by the sounds of it. Uh, Dennis Salah, who's been sold by 46,000 people, and Ruben Diaz. Bowen, 134,000. I guess most people are kind of hoping that that your handful uh, t- yeah. tweet is right. I, I would say that the from what we've seen, it's not optimistic on, on Bowen. Now, again, we wait for press conferences on him because we haven't had an update since since before game week 29, but it was pretty emphatic the way he was ruled out of that fixture that I wouldn't be hopeful. But then with Antonio looking like he's likely to be out, maybe if it's touch and go, they they do what they can to try and to try and rush him back. Well, Yarmolenko scoring, what a lovely moment that was. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not a big West Ham fan by any by any stretch, but I mean, no. when that goal came in, I mean, even a lot of the Villa accounts were saying, yeah, okay, I'm I'm fine with that with, with him scoring and fine with him getting man in the match. I mean, what a lovely moment that was. I mean, genuinely very very touching. Um, yeah, I don't think he's really an FPL asset, but you know, 
Um, like maybe one to have if you're feeling sentimental. Can't find him in the transfers in. Um, but hey, one of those moments was kind of transcends football just a little bit. Right, let's take a break there. Move on to the main topic and basically the main thrust of the pod just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right, so we're back and it's time to speak about the main topic, which is what do we expect from a blank game week? Yes, we're going tactical this week. We can't, obviously, we could have gone strategic, gone esoteric, you know, spoken about what a player's price is going to be next year or, you know, the bonus point system or something like that. But no, I think really, truly, it's all about this blank game, which Harry said mentioned earlier. Everyone's been kind of anticipating for so long. So it's about chatting about that. It's about picks for this week we're going to kind of show a few kind of a free hit that we both put together separately to see kind of where the compare comparisons contrasts are and also perhaps focus on some players which are good for this week but also quite useful for the ongoing sorts of plans strategies depending on what you're doing just note on that as well as I've said a few times, you've gotten to that point in the season where there are multiple strands, multiple pathways uh, for what people are doing in terms of chip use, what they got left, et cetera, et cetera, how they're looking at it. We're going to try our very best to be as all-encompassing as possible. Obviously, some advice will be less relevant to you, some will be more relevant to you, um, but hopefully all quite useful and all quite interesting. And just, just blank game weeks in general, Harry. I mean, how have you tended to get on in the past with these? Because... For me, sometimes I remember I remember a couple really vividly, but recently they kind of all faded into one a little bit. I mean, how do you remember these and how have you fared, do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that I feel like you worry so much about and then it comes to it and they're often pretty anticlimactic and they tend to be low scoring weeks. I often, the big one that is normally game week 30-ish every season, I tend to be where I use my free hit or you sort of dead end your team into that, which means you end up having... A lot of players playing against each other. And again, it sort of just maximize it, it sort of minimizes the amount of points that you're really going to score. Again, like I look at my team and I've got a fair few like Arsenal against Villa, and it's just they they always tend to be a bit of a letdown when it comes to it. You end up ripping up your team and planning so many weeks in advance that actually when it gets to it, it's not too much to worry about. Now I probably wish I told myself these things six seven game weeks ago because i've sat with jimenez and how and watkins as my two strikers for the past four months because i know this game week has been coming it's finally here and they'll probably score four points combined but yeah i feel like we plan so much for them and then they're not worth stressing about as much is that the same experience you've had pretty much i mean the first one i really remember when I was first properly getting into fpl was the year before we started wta and that was the one where everton West Brom. I think Liverpool also had a game as well on the Sunday. But I remember Lukaku um, got a goal and assist, I think it was, against West Brom, who uh, he used to play for. And what I do remember about that is that that was the season when suddenly loads of players in my mini league had two players, three players. I didn't see the, hit, the, the kind of the blank coming. Whereas I've been making transfers to buy in you know, the likes of Chris Brunt and Ross Barkley, et cetera, et cetera, for a few weeks before that in anticipation of the blank. So that year was very, very good. And that was quite handy. Uh, the next year was Salah versus Watford. Do you remember where he scored four goals and got an assist as well? And that was kind of like the opposite of that, where um, I think, I can't remember whether I free hit it or not, but you know, my cousin had three players that week. He had Salah, Robertson, and I think one more kind of player, one more randomer. And it didn't matter because Salah was the only player who did anything. We all had him captain. Some players had him double like, triple captain, which is obviously very, very smart. But 
just getting the captain right meant that someone with three players did as well as someone like me with 11. I mean, that was really, really annoying. And recently, I think, as you said, the big blanks have been mostly quite forgettable. I looked through last year, for example, and I've, I've managed, I managed to hit 50, I think. And I had a few players kind of um, out. I didn't use my free hit then. I don't think I've used my free hit for quite a while, actually, on a blank. Um, Last year's double, that was game week 29, so around this sort of time too. Yeah. And it was like so Bamford, Rafinha, Kane, they all did stuff. And But I had uh, Joel Veltman, Veltmania, he got me 10 points at that, that, that time. So I, I got a small green, 50-point net. But, I mean, that's probably about what you're expecting, isn't it? Um, but, I mean, for me, right now, I've annoyingly only got six. I thought I'd have seven, but Dean's probably out. Uh, Gerard uh, via... Ben Dinnery said it's a small muscle in- injury. We'll analyse it. He's obviously a major doubt for the Arsenal game, which is incredibly annoying. So I'm going to try to wait it out till Friday, hoping he miraculously recovers. But Villa have um, you know, tweeted a picture of him saying, you'll come back stronger, Luca. Um, and that means I probably can have to replace him, which means, because I don't want to send any of my other midfield players who are blanking, like you know, Trent, Salah, etc., etc. I'm looking at kind of, moving Fraser to Barnes, who we'll speak about in just a bit. And I could do a couple of things, you know, sell Josh King um, as well for a minus eight, get another striker. I'm not sure that's ever worth it. So I'm probably going to be muddling through with eight players here, which is Ramsdale, whoever I replaced Luca Dean with. Matt Doherty. Saka, Marcinelli, Kulosevsky and Barnes, and then Kane up front. So yeah, you know, eight players with Kane captain. And I saw you, you know, you said earlier on, you've got, you've got a free hit left, but you're not, you can use it this week. Why is that? I'm not going to use it because I've spent the past six game weeks transferring in players that that play this week. And actually, I think it's fallen quite interestingly that a lot of the players that we want for this week or have a fixture this week have actually doubled in one of the two game weeks before. So we had Villa doubling. We've had we've had Wolves doubling. We've had Spurs doubling, we've had Arsenal doubling as well. So a lot of these players that maybe we wanted to buy in for this week have ended up having a double game week anyway. So I used sort of game weeks 28 and 29 to load in, you know, if I had a 50-50 call between an option who had a double and then didn't play an option who did have a double, maybe a slightly worse asset, but I went for the one that I had in game week 30. So I've got, again, I have 11, one including Luca Dean. So that would be 10, which I think is likely the case. I can't see him. Him playing, but I've got, you know, Saar, White, Doherty, Odegaard, Rafinha, Kulisevsky, Saka, Jimenez, Kane and Watkins. So I've got most of the big ownership players covered. There's no Coutinho in there, who's probably the big one that stands out and maybe Lacazette as well. But apart from those, I think I've got most bases covered and it just makes sense. I just, again, I know we you said last year you got about 50 points in the blank. I, I can't see it being particularly high scoring no, yeah, going into no. this week. That you can really maximise it. I know we'll talk a little bit about Leicester being an option that you could use to maximise it, but I can't see with some of these fixtures taking place that it's a really explosive game week, that there's a lot of upside of a free hit. It's it's fascinating though, just to digress quickly, how these strategies evolve over time. I think I was drunkenly speaking about this on Saturday night. Yes, that's what we call managers do, people. We get drunk and talk about fantasy football chip strategy. Oh, I'm old. Anyway, um, I, maybe maybe it's this postponement laden season a little bit. And yes, I know we've had two free hits as well. 
But it's really interesting how free hits have changed a fair bit in their utility because I know there's many like you who aren't using it this week. And I know that you know, obviously there's people who are, people who are dead ending, for example, this week and they're going to do something else. So there's a, a few strategies that could work around it. A lot of people have said, you know what, I'm committed to this free hit. I think James from Planet FPL has been said a few weeks ago, yeah, this, it kind of works for me to free hit this week, which is absolutely fine. But it's just, it's when, when the free hit first came out, we all thought, yeah, you know, this is perfect because it means I don't have to make a bunch of moves to pick up suboptimal players who've got a blank. You know, like you said, um, that's exactly what you've been doing. And this was kind of the earmarked use for it. Um, but I love the idea that there's a wider application for it now. It can be used aggressively rather than defensively. And you can chase gains rather than using it as a downside insurance. I mean, maybe things have fallen that way. Uh, as you said, there's been a lot of blankers as play, people's play, players playing in the blank, like Wolves, Villa, Arsenal and Spurs, who had to double recently, so it kind of made sense to bring them in. Uh, but maybe as well, it's a wider sort of response to this year, where we've seen a bit of a detachment from the tried and, trust, uh, and tested strategies of the past, like taking us through hits as possible, for example. People aren't doing that anymore, as we saw in the um, in the hits pod recently. Um, so I think, I think there is definitely something in this about free hits being used a little bit differently. And just to venture a quick prediction as well I don't know if it's gonna come true um but i wonder if they're gonna leave us with two free hits next season as well um i really like the added dimension of it and more than anything it just gives them added engagement uh, throughout the course of the season but yeah i mean do you think it's interesting how this has all changed yeah i agree i think part of it is the fact that you, the dead end sort of narrative has become more and more a thing now that we can save that free hit you know play your wild card in 31 it allows you to set up well and it also means you don't have to plan for that blank game week i also think yeah we've seen because with this year particularly announcements of doubles announcements of blanks come have come so late towards the game week that they're actually going to happen in that it means that a free hit can only is sometimes the only possible strategy in order to maximise that week. There's a lot of talk about a double in, in game week 33, for example. And if we're only going to get that announcement just going into game week 31, that's only two free transfers to plan for it if you don't own any of those players. So again, although it's it's easy to plan in advance for a, a blank game week, but it's very difficult to plan in advance for a double if you don't know what it looks like. So it actually is, yeah, easy to plan ahead when you know there's going to be blanks, but it's actually a double is much more unprecedented this season than, than it has been from a blank perspective. Yeah, there's been less notice, hasn't there? There's been less of a runway. Um, so yeah. you, as you said, you end up in a situation where suddenly you've got double in two weeks. Oh, well, what am I going to do? Well, it's a great time to use my free hit. I think that as of the excitement could be why they could give us an extra free hit again next year. It, just hypothesis at this point. I've got no inside knowledge. I haven't been speaking to James Rich, uh, James Richardson and uh, Kelly and saying, are we going to get a free hit? And I haven't said yes, no. Um, but yeah, and I think it's, it's definitely interesting. One question I'm sure those people are kind of wondering, um, I know you've said you've got 10, I said I'm going to probably have about eight-ish. Um, how many men do we think is the minimum uh, for a team to have if you're not going to be free-hitting? And obviously, if you are free-hitting, you've got an X-min's advantage. You've immediately got, you know, I, I guess this can be kind of a, most people are going to have maybe seven players, the average, or maybe the top 10 average is going to be probably about nine or 10, let's face mm -hmm. it. I mean, how many do you think is the minimum? Do you think I'll be all right with eight? Yeah, so I actually put a poll out today on Twitter to try and understand this, thinking that sort of 9, 10, 11 would be the average thing from it. But actually, I know Twitter is slightly different, but it's a pretty engaged group of managers. And the majority answer was 0 to 8 over the options of 9, 10 and 11. And again, 11 had the fewest, 10 had the second fewest, etc. So I think about 65% of managers had nine or less players going into this week. Eight is absolutely fine. I think it partly depends who they are. If you're covering 
the likes of Kane, maybe Son or Kulisevsky, if you've got an Arsenal attacker in there like Saka, if you've got an Arsenal defender, if you're going into a game week with only sort of seven or eight players, you've got to understand that you're not attacking the game week and you've got to do your best to shield from some of those maybe high ownership players. I know a lot of people don't like playing it defensively, but if you are going with less players, you, you need to think about that. So if maybe if you're not doing it as well as you've got a few like Ramsey, although Ramsey scored this week, a few of those maybe players that are big rotation risks and you're on seven, that's maybe not as good. But if you're covering the likes of Kane, who we have done through the blanks, then I think I think you're probably in a decent enough place. Again, I can't see there being big explosive points this week for a lot of those a lot of those players given the fixtures. Yeah, I think eight. Are you are you comfortable with eight, or are you worried about it? No, I'm I'm, com- I'm comfortable with it. I think. I mean, you've got to balance. Probably echoing your point a little bit. One week against what happens next, and you don't be throwing the baby out in the bathwater, chasing what is more often than not an underwhelming game week which is often simply decided on appearance points and you don't want to be getting yourself into a tangle unnecessarily buying in players you probably won't want very soon doing other things like that there are a few exceptions that we'll speak about in just a bit and um, but i think you're completely right that it's, it's kind of the case that this game week often isn't the most explosive in the world so i'm probably okay with a I think my X red arrow is probably a bit higher this week, but I'm hoping it won't be you know, a, a massive red arrow. Hopefully, it will be uh, a grey or you know, if I if I get like, a slight green, I think that I'll, I'll count myself happy with that outcome. I know that sounds really kind of crap to say. I mean, in an ideal world, you know, I buy in the player. I said I was mentioning looking at Harvey Barnes later. He gets 15 points when I'm laughing, but I think the reality is it's probably going to be kind of just trying to stick near the overall average or kind of the average in my locale in the F, in live rank. I think that will probably uh, do me quite nicely. Let's have a look then. Uh, before we kind of uh, came on, we both kind of put together a, a specimen free hit team if we were, were both going to free hit. I think it's quite interesting that we both ended up in a very similar sort of space. So I've put Ra- Ramsdale in goal. I've got Cody and Sice as the Wolves double up at the back alongside Matt Doherty. Um, in midfield, I've got Madison and Barnes. So the Leicester attack sort of double up. I've got Saka, Coutinho, Son. I've got Kane with the armband on. I've got Tony. And it's quite a stacked bench as well. Similarly, stacked to yours as well isn't it yeah so I've gone with Saar in goal and then I've gone Tierney in the defence so a slight change just because I quite like Tierney from an attacking output more than I like some of those Wolves defenders I've gone with Saïs as well Doherty as well Son, Barnes Coutinho in there Saka Kane Lacazette and Tony again interesting you've gone there's a few of us looking at a double Wolves defence which is quite interesting I think the more I look at it the more I become a bit more wary of it. Now, they have got the highest predicted clean sheet odds out of any of the games, but I'm just not sure I really trust any fixture for a clean sheet this week, looking at it. Wolves are probably up there, but given, you know, Leeds picking up that late win, they're going to have a lot of motivation going into this game. Bamford back in the side. Yes, it's probably the highest chance, but is there really that great an interest in any of the defences? Um, generally speaking, I'm not sure I can see any defence which is worth you know, using a transfer on, especially using a hit on. If you're looking at minus fours, I think it's for attackers only would be the rule of thumb that I put this week, just because how sort of not confident I am in any of those defences going into this week. Just stay clear of using defensive transfers. Oh, I'll get your view in a bit then, because I think I've still got to move on Dean, but I'm, you know, I'm open to just leaving it, to be honest, because I I probably share your point of view. We'll get on to Wolves defence in just a bit. 
because they are quite highly owned, especially in the upper echelons due to legacy of that double game week, which was fairly recent. And But nonetheless, I share your scepticism on them, that's for sure. So, I mean, who are the key men to own? I mean, we've mentioned a few uh, key men just there um, who we both had in common, um, and those are the likes of, I don't know, Kane, Son, uh, one extra Spurs player, Saka, an Arsenal defender, and a Wolves defender, I think, were the ones we had in common, and you know, the likes of Coutinho, perhaps. Um, and I think there are a few kind of decent questions about it um, for people who are on free hit and people who aren't on free hit. Uh, Benny Blanco uh, said, Here, lads, if you are not planning to free hit game week 30, who, are, there, are there any players worth taking a hit to get? Uh, I should mention here that ben, Benny's uh, pioneering a North versus South game week 39 meetup uh, with the Harry's playing on Team South. Um, and you can find um, him at Benny underscore Blanco 40 on Twitter or find out more information on this at GW39 North versus South co.uk that's vs for versus all one word um all the proceeds from that go street charge united which is a great um a, a great uh endeavor and also um while we're on terms of meetups next weekend i'll be in bristol um at the uh, king street brew, brew house i think it is something like that um but you can find out about that on twitter if you want to but yeah that'll be on saturday the 18th so you can come on come on to that you should um and we also got a couple more other questions. So uh, Rocket J Squirrel asks on free hit, which free Spurs players should I be selecting? Uh, Kane, Son, and who? Reggie, Kulusevski, or Darty? And uh, Angus McPhail asks if you're buying a Brentford player, not on free hit, is Ericsson or Tony your best bet? So a few things to kind of speak about there very quickly. Um, well, not quickly. We can speak about them for a, a little bit actually. Um, so the Spurs guys, I think you know Kane's going to be the, the captain this week, I think, for most people. In fact, basically everyone. I think it's going to be a Salah-style shield pit captain on Kane, isn't it? The EO's going to be over 100%, I'm sure. Yeah, I can see it being sort of 160, 170%. Um, I can see him being right up there, the main sort of captaincy option this week. And I think for good reason, the form he's shown in recent weeks. Normally, it would be between him and Son, but I think given the way that maybe... Kane and Son's link-up has been divided now by a little bit between Kane and Son and Kane and Kulisevsky, that Son, although he's got set pieces, his attacking output is slightly diluted. I think it stands out that Kane is Kane is by far the, the best captaincy pick for me. In terms of the third Spurs option, so again, doing the hub reaction stream earlier, I, I had this question and I originally was thinking, yeah, Kane, Son, Kulisevsky, but trying to put a draft together... I think I would go with Doherty or Regulon in defence. And I'd probably go with Doherty because of because he's slightly more nailed from that attacking threat. Regulon, although we played in the recent games, I just worry that there's something gone on there that means he's not going in. He's not sort of in the good books of the manager, I think is probably where I'm going. Yeah. And then also there are so many good attackers that you could want this week that actually I think Spurs is maybe one of the routes that you can look for a clean sheet because Bowen's injured because Antonio's injured and because Cresswell's out I think it weakens West Ham quite a lot that the clean sheet chance for Spurs is probably higher than some of those others whereas you could go for the attackers in the Leicester-Brentford game where I expect there to be goals and of course there's the risk of Lucas Moura coming back in although it doesn't seem to be the case he's going to have to get a game at some point I think so I'd probably go for the defender again because there are just not enough defenders that I want to own and there are attackers that I want. Would you agree or? I, I would. I, I think my initial instinct was oh, we, I might try triple up on the Spurs attack um, and mm-hmm. go with Kulisevsky. The problem is, as you said, 
there's it's prime real estate that midfield and those striker slots and that kind of draws me back to getting the Irish defender in overlooking at Kulusevski or something like that I mean Kane um, just look at his past record for example he's got the third most goals in his Premier League career against West Ham uh, just behind Everton at uh, 13 and his beloved opponent's Leicester um, and he's also had the best non-pen goal involvement over the last six game weeks of any player so I think that that's kind of a nailed on captain for most people I don't think there's much argument from many people about that Son's actually ninth at the moment in terms of uh, non-pen goal involvement over the last six weeks. He's a big rank threat to me as a non-free hitter. I think he'll be the one that free hitters will have and I won't. But I'm not sure about that game, particularly being a high-scoring one. Um, Maybe echoing what you're saying as well. I'm assuming there may be kind of goals either side, but West Ham over the last six games have conceded fewer big chances than Man City and Liverpool. So that could be one which decided on just the one goal. And I I think hopefully it will be Kane who gets it. Wouldn't be surprised if it is Son as a sort of breakaway, Uh, but we've seen how Conte's team can struggle with the, if the opposing team does sit back and without lots of Bowen, without lots of Antonio, they're likely to kind of have to play on the break and hope to and try to force something um, on the counter. So it might actually be quite a difficult game for Spurs, that one. Um, but I think just kind of from a rank threat point of view, I think owning and captaining Kane is probably going to be the one. But there are opportunities, I guess, all round. Um, speaking of opportunities... Actually, there aren't that many. I was going to say, there's some options in Arsenal. There probably aren't, to be honest. I mean, Saka, a first ownership now, that guy. And he'll probably be at shrug status on live FPL um, for the Villa game on Saturday lunchtime. Uh, 32 points in the last six game weeks. And he's been involved. Um, I, I know that's quite disjointed because there's been quite a few sort of games missed. But he's probably the best one, or definitely the best one in Arsenal. Um, I mean, you've got Odegaard. I've got Marcinelli. Um Marcinelli, I was surprised to see that he's still 3.4% owned overall. And the, the effective ownership was like under 10%. Got the assist for parties opener from a corner this week. And he was, he's just such a good player now as an Arsenal fan. He's always threatening with his runs, carrying the ball into the box. He's a proper wide forward. I mean, um, Jurgen Klopp was very com- complimentary about him last time they played. Gabriel Martinelli, remember the name. And I think that Brazil call-up as well is going to do his confidence world of good. But he's just so cheap as well. 5.3. I mean, what a player he is. I think Saka will be one that everyone owns. And I think it's just the case of that and the defender. Um, and it's, it's that plus one, isn't it? We, you've got Odegaard, I've got Marcinelli. If someone was kind of looking at bringing another Arsenal player, who would you say? I think I would go Lacazette would probably be the one that I would go with. Although he's not scored a lot recently, he's had assists, he's always involved. Yes, Martinelli's look great, but there is always a slight niggling doubt that, you know, in a game week like this, that you've got Smithrow lurking. If I wasn't on a free hit, then I think for me, Martinelli, I'd prioritise over Lacazette because again, it's a budget thing and going long-term having a 5.3 Arsenal player is easy to go and it's easy to stretch the squad around it. But if I was on a free hit, as we saw with our free hit drafts, then I would go Lacazette for a sort of one-off game week. Again, Odegaard is such a joy to watch when it comes to it, but he's also so frustrating. You know, when him and Martinelli seem to stand over every corner together and Martinelli takes every single corner. I don't know why he even stands there. It's just infuriating. And then Martinelli gets his (laughs) assists, but the way he plays the passes, he's so involved. He only needs a sort of an assist because of how involved he is to start racking up a few bonus points. But again, generally, I probably wouldn't advocate buying him. I've had him for probably almost 
over 10 game weeks now. She's just sort of ticking along. But if I had to advise, it would it would probably be Martinelli if I was just looking to buy. And then Lacazette as well. Lacazette doesn't compete with any other forwards, though. There are so many midfielders that we could want this week. There really are. There really are. We'll come on to them in, in a little bit. And the other thing to mention is obviously the Arsenal defence. I think, um, obviously, this week, um, with, with Villa looking all right, it probably... Yeah, you might see a little bit different, but at the end of the day, we're still fur from bottom for expected goals and see over the last six weeks. And everything's looking for an Arsenal fan surprisingly coordinated at the back. I mean, you don't get those with Chelsea. I mean, you just think, oh, that's a clean sheet most of the time. For us, we're expecting a mistake to happen, you know, like Gabriel pass into Huang or something like that. But no, the last few weeks have been have been okay overall. Um, and even when it doesn't go well, you've still got an exceptional goalkeeper behind them. And uh, Mendy's obviously the best goal- goalkeeper in the world. Sorry, uh, FPL fella. Um, By but, far. Um, but but Ram- Ramsdale was a close second, I think. And he he's you know he was obviously in, in boss mode again this this weekend. And when they do get through, they can do something. And he's second for Jose Sa- to Jose Sarr this season for expected goals prevented. And um, I don't think there many people without a. Uh, Without an Arsenal defender, though, that's for sure. Um, and same with the Wolves defence, too. Uh, I think there'll, there'll be loads of people just due to those doubles who are going to have a Wolves defender. Um, but it's really important to note just how much Wolves' defence has been overperforming. Jose Sarr, as I mentioned, had a, has a really, really good expected goals uh, prevented uh, stat this year. And he's needed to have it because there is a massive gap between their expected goals against and their concession 40 expected goals against, only 23 actually conceded. That is, that is just crazy. That's like beyond... Um, we do see it every every now and again. Um, but that that's a crazy amount. That, that is just... That's kind of in, in the province of luck because the f- five either side, that's noise, but that's incredibly lucky. Um, and Wolves as well, is given their given credit, they've won the most tackles of anything in the Premier League this season. They have the third highest for defensive pressure pre- uh, for defensive pressures. They're well drilled defensively. Um, and I still think it's kind of worth owning a Wolves defender just because of effectively um, the fact that mo- those people are going to own one. Um, and if they do get a clean sheet, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Well, not a lot. Well, actually, this week you are because there are only a few players um, who are going to be live. Potentially, yeah, I, I agree. But I think generally, as you said, they've been quite quite fortunate, and now they're playing against the lead side again, as we said this week. That they're going to look at this as and now as a sort of free play going into a game like this. They've come off the back of a massive three points for them in in sort of saving themselves from having a real relegation scrap. That they're now going with a little bit. The shackles are off. They've got much less to go by. And yeah, Wolves have kept clean sheets, but they've not delivered really strong underlying numbers compared to some of the other defences. And then, you know, you've now got Rafinha, who after so many times of hitting the woodworks, surely one of them's going to find the back of the net. And now Bamford coming back again. I can just see Leeds not, they're not going to sit back in this game. It's not Bielsa ball anymore. But again, given the result they've just had, the way they're now sitting in the league, I can see them wanting to attack. So I think Leeds defence is a good option this week, particularly it's the centre-backs, it's maybe Johnny. The left wing-back position are those with eight Nori or even looking at Marcel. I'd still stay clear of it, whether you're on a free hit. If you've got a transfer, you play you play eight Nori, you play Marcel and you hope for the best. But I would I would probably prioritise the centre-backs. It looks like the three are going to come back. The Bolly start was a sort of one-off. Saar in goal is still a good pick. And then Johnny playing on the other hand side is probably where I'd, I'd go. But if you've got one, I don't really feel the need to go transferring in another one. Again, I'm maybe slightly different in the opinion that 
I just don't like the defences at all this week that a minus four or even a free transfer on any of them just doesn't really feel that worth it because I just don't see any of them. Some, someone, someone will score above four points, right? There will be one, but it will be someone completely random like Soyuncu or like one of the Brentford wingbacks, for example, like Rico Henry that scores it. That It's just so hard to predict that I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that. It makes a lot of sense to me, that's for sure. Um, and I, the final thing, just to um, address Angus's question on Tony and Eriksson, um, yeah. it's, it's just worth remembering one thing is that Brentford's ex-chief open play is super low. They're third from bottom over the last six game weeks. And as Harry said earlier, Tony's got five goals in the, in, in the last two games. Amazing, right? Three are from penalties, which he is insanely good at by the way if you watch I think he hasn't missed one I think he's missed one in his entire career which is just insane really but the two goals he scored is from next year of 0.68 and he scored um, you know, very very they scored very very late um, against Burnley I wouldn't mind him nor Ericsson on the free hit Leicester Arthur for conceding from set pieces and they conceded again on the weekend uh, to us uh, via party's goal Um one thing I would mention as well from watching Ericsson for many years is that his corners aren't that great. Um, he rarely beat the first man when he played at Spurs. Um, and uh, Burnt Brentford, yeah, that, that XG is not great. They're not far off Burnley, for example. Yeah, the only thing that I think with that Ericsson corner listening to Planet FPL is that they often take a corner he often aims his corners very much towards the front post, which is why he often doesn't clear the first man. But yeah. that's where Arsenal that's where Leicester concede a lot of their chances. And although they concede a lot of chances from set pieces, a lot of those come from the front post. So again, I think owning one on a free hit is a good idea, whether it's Ericsson, whether it's Tony, whether it's even in Buemo, he could, you know, take the, take the shine off it while everyone's looking at Ericsson and Tony and it's suddenly him that returns. I think one of them is a good option on a free hit and I would own one of them, but if I wasn't on a free hit, it's not where I'd be prioritizing transfers. Uh, certainly not. And I think, um, I mean, obviously we haven't answered Benny's question quite yet about any players worth taking hit to get, because I think it kind of ties up with the second sort of facet of this, which is, are there any transfers this week, which are also useful going forward? And Benny actually asked the second question, um, which are, who are the players to target who are also good picks beyond game week first? And I think that this all kind of ties into it together. And a few other kind of things to mention here, uh, Karam Tizir, he said, you know, who would you consider from Leicester? He said he's had a few bad experiences with Barnes in the past. I mean, I did too. I owned him at the start of the season. It's absolutely nothing for me for the first four weeks. Can we trust Dakar's X-Minutes? And um, FPL Bean can counter to Tom, he says, for non-free hitters from 30, it's a better to use transfers to get extra players in for um, for 30, like replacing Dean, like I might do. Uh, or save transfers to pivot out and get in long-term assets like Chelsea and Leicester players. Uh, Leicester players obviously being key here. And um, at ECR Sexual <laughs> says, uh, for the people with Dean who won't play the free hit like me, is it worth the hit this week if it means you feel one extra player? So I think this is quite... Interesting, just because you've said a couple of times, you know, I, I wouldn't be buying a defender in for a hit. But if you are buying in an Arsenal defender or a Spurs defender, Harry, maybe that is a little bit different because I'm, I'm assuming most people out there do have one. But if you're sat there and you don't have one, surely there is a little bit of an argument to do so because you've got that potential game week 33 double coming up. But the decent fixtures coming out of it as well. We've got Palace, Brighton, Southampton, 31 to 33. Spurs have got Newcastle, Aston Villa and Brighton, 31 to 33. I mean, maybe the rule could be broken there. I suppose potentially 
if you're looking at it from a long-term transfer. I think I think I still stand by the point that this week, yes, there will be some of those defenders that that outscore their sort of four-point transfer transfer costs, but I think it's too difficult to predict. Spurs, yes, they play Newcastle the week after. But if you look at a lot of the other teams that maybe we've got sat on our benches, they're going to be fighting for spots in your team. So you've got Liverpool coming back in with Watford. You've got Manchester City coming back in with Burnley. You've got Chelsea coming back in with Brentford. You've got a lot of these teams who we've got sat on our bench who will be fighting for those defensive spots. Newcastle are not a pushover. Palace, although, have just held Manchester City as well. We know the full-time result of that one. But yes, I think maybe you can look at it like a minus two. But for me, I, I want to get a Chelsea defender in. And it means that if I do a Dean transfer this week, it will be a minus four for me next week. Whereas if I don't do one this week, it's then a free transfer next week because I need to free up the money. So yes, I can see a little bit of an argument if you want to go and add one this week. But I think generally the benefit of rolling that free transfer going into 30 is really there. And I again, you mentioned a little bit the double in 33 we're hopeful that there may be announcements going in over the international break as well before 31 for that. So again, having two free transfers once for once we get those announcements, again, just feels more beneficial than maybe the extra two points that I might get from a defender that I bring in this week. I mean, if you had, I mean, you're on 10 players. If you had seven, say, without, take, without taking a hit this week, would that change your opinion? So if you could get to eight by buying a defender in, would that change your opinion? Or do you just kind of go in with seven and just think, you know what, I'm just going to just write this week off to some extent? I think it probably would change my opinion because you're 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 fighting more and more against the grain. Whereas with 10, you know, I'm in a good position anyway, that I'm still in a good position with 10. Whereas you're in seven versus eight, it could make a bit of a difference. I'd probably go with it again. I think with Benny's question, are there any players that you really need to cover in the sort of upcoming blank game week? And I think, okay, if you don't own an Arsenal defender, or you don't own a Spurs defender, then it's worth considering just because of how much damage they could do to you. But Spurs would be top of my list, one of those fullbacks, because again, going away to Aston Villa with the form that the likes of Coutinho are in, again, I'd be surprised if there's there's a clean sheet there. And for, the sort for, of attacking... For, for Arsenal. Um, for Arsenal, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I'd be surprised if there's a clean sheet for Arsenal in that game. And mm. the attacking threat from those from those Arsenal defenders are, is not is not great. So the Spurs ones, Doherty, you can get the attacking returns to go with it. So you've got more routes to points. But although Tierney and Gabriel have maybe a rhetoric around them of being good for attacking threat, it doesn't really ever come to the fore. I mean, okay, all right. I mean, let's talk about Leicester, though, um, in answer to um, uh, Bean Counter mentioned them. Um, so they've got three games left to rearrange. And obviously, those people looking at them this week have so got the home game against Brentford. Now, I've looked at them a little bit, and I've seen a few interesting stats flying around looking at very, very interesting sample sets, i.e. amongst Leicester players, this guy is the best. That's obviously Harvey Barnes, but amongst Leicester players is being very, very generous with your samples there, that's for sure. And I think if you're looking at a Leicester player to bring in, I think it's probably got to be Harvey Barnes at the, at the moment. Him over Madison, I think. Um, just because Madison's lower back issue, injury, is something that really concerns me. That's the sort of injury that historically we've seen uh, means that a player is going to miss a game at some point, whereas Barnes looks to be easily 
Leicester's main attacking weapon at the moment uh, to address Karam's question. There's a very shallow pool, but he's got the best numbers with Leicester players. You definitely can't trust uh, Daka or Hicke Nacho. Uh, Nacho started this week, but long term, he's been treated really puzzlingly by Rogers. I mean, he smashed it at the back end of last season. Started this season straight out of the team as soon as Vardy was fit. Um, uh, elsewhere, um, it's, you know, you're really, really... You know, scraping the bottom of the barrel when you're looking at Leicester a little bit. They're fourth from bottom for open play actually over the last six weeks. Worse than the likes of Everton and Watford. Um, and the stuff that comes up, Kin and Dewsbury Hall, 4.4. He's created the most chances for Leicester players over the last 10 game weeks of 4.4. Kin and Dewsbury Hall. Spending a, a precious transfer on that guy. Maybe not. Tielemar, he could have been an interesting individual, but he was benched this week. And the reason for that is that their focus is inevitably going to be on the conference league, isn't it? And winning that is going to be more important to them than the league position. It doesn't matter, I think, on Clash of the Correspondence of Soviet Big on Planet. Um, eight for 14th, it doesn't really matter where they finish because it's, it's pretty much gone now in terms of the league. And there's going to be lots of rotation there, I think. I wouldn't be surprised, for example, if I buy him Barnes and he doesn't play against Brentford. I wouldn't be shocked by that. And there's, in that regard, there's shades of Burnley about them, I think. I mean, I'm, we're only interested in them because of the blank and potential doubles going forward. Otherwise, we wouldn't be interested in them at all. We'd be just giving them a wide berth and thinking, these guys are just write-offs, really. And I was speaking to Josh when we were cheating on them on the group chat, so Harry and I both on. And he says exactly the same thing. That they're totally kind of avoidable, except for the fact they've got extra fixtures. I mean, we'll see what he, I, I didn't listen. I haven't listened to their budget. We'll see what happens. I, I'll listen to that on the way to work on Wednesday. But I mean, I, I just feel like it's one of those where it's, it's kind of barns or nothing with them. I mean, if I was on a free hit, I probably, as I, as I said in my team earlier, have Barnes and Madison. But I mean, they're really uninspiring, aren't they, Harry? The, the, the old foxes. Yeah, I agree. I think up front is where I would love to go. If you're on a free hit and you can see which of them starts in Europa League and took a gamble on the other one because he seems to rotate forwards from a Thursday night to a weekend game. But again, it's a bit of a gamble. Again, on a free hit, it would be Barnes or or Bust for me, really. We're looking a lot at the Brentford attack, which makes me think that the lesser defence is probably not worth it either. Although they, in theory, on paper, have one of the nicer fixtures. Looking on a wild card later down the line, again, trying to pick a defender that's not going to get rotated is difficult. For Fana maybe coming back, which may boost their defence. But again, with Europa League, the rotation will be there. So, I may end up with Schmeichel being in there, the man who likes to argue every single goal that's scored against him, it seems. But he may be the one that ends up and at a slightly cheaper price than a lot of the goalkeepers we've got down to 4.8 now. It could be an okay one if they do have a lot of extra fixtures, but I can't look past it being him or Barnes. And I don't think any of us are making goalkeeper transfers this week, given that most of us own Ramsdale or Saar at the moment. So it's a pretty small pool. And again, I think there's probably other priorities for us this week. On a free hit, it's a good place to go because no one will be going in for them unless they're on a free hit. So there is a good upside in them. But outside of that, I can't see them being great options long term. I mean, I'm doing like an eyes wide open pickup of Barnes, I think, just because he's got a game this week and 6.5, I can, it's, the risk is priced in, but it's kind of reluctant buy. It's a bit like buying bed course. In fact, it's exactly like buying bed course, 6.5 million, where you kind of know that it's going to have be problematic, things are going to go wrong. Um, 
but he's got that kind of you know explosive potential, I suppose, Harvey Barnes. Um, so maybe he could be the he'd definitely be the one that I'm kind of pointing out and kind of saying, yeah, he's really worth picking up. Um, elsewhere, I mean, we've spoken about Wolves as well, and they do have a possible double. Um, if City beats Southampton in the FA Cup, that means that their game week 33 will go. But it's equally not the best double that they're going to have because that's going to involve a Man City game. Yes, that's not amazing. And if it does end up being in game week 36, that's going to be a Chelsea-Man City double game week for Wolves. Excellent. Well worth earning a player for in that. That's going to be a three-pointer, isn't it? Um, and Villa as well is the final one to mention. They've got one game left to rearrange. Um, and uh, ESR Sexual, WFRK, um, says, Dean, what what, what, what are we going to do uh, with the errant Frenchman? Who would, as you said earlier on on the group chat, would be the captain of Troll FC? I'm sure he's a, he's a lovely man. I'm sure he's, he's absolutely lovely. I'm sure he doesn't drown puppies in his spare time or anything like that but he's just one of those players who every time I've owned him there's just been a problem <laughs> really really annoying elsewhere with Villa like Cash alright uh, Poland's Mateusz Kaszowski um, has been alright but he's on eight yellow cards and I, I don't like Villa's fixtures after this Wolves away Tottenham at home and Liverpool at home and Coutinho as well He's been very lucky, I think, recently. I don't know. Who else would I include? Maybe on a free hit, maybe Danny Ings would be something to think about. He was unlucky not to score versus West Ham. Four goal involvements in the last six, though. Three assists from 0.31 XA. It's, 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 it's such a bad set of fixtures, isn't it? And a bad set of scenes which are in it is basically my kind of overall prognosis of what's going on. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's not a good fixture for them this week either. Um, it's probably, if you had to look at the fixtures, you didn't want to invest in. Arsenal are probably the most informed team going into this game week, into this blank game week. Um, yes, it's at Villa, which maybe boosts the appeal a little bit, but the goals have come from a lot of different places. Uh, Coutinho is probably the one that I'd look at most out of a lot of them. I've owned Ollie Watkins for the past, again, feels like, 10, 10 years rather than 10 game weeks that he's been in my team. And I cannot wait for game week 31 to come around and he will be leaving my team probably for another forward that doesn't score any points because that's the way it works this season. But <laughs> he'll be making way. And if you look at their fixtures, as we said, Wolves, Tottenham, Liverpool, Leicester after the blank, including Arsenal this week, it's just not really anything to write home about. Ramsey is probably still the standout cheap option in the game. So if you want you know, to invest a little bit of money elsewhere buying Ramsey this week for a player who doesn't play can work we scored again in game week 29 but again it's just a really dreadful run of fixtures after that that I wouldn't want any sort of investment anywhere elsewhere and cash you mentioned again but I can't see them keeping a a clean sheet going into this week again if only I'd have gone cash over Luca Dean all those five game weeks ago where yeah. how many more points would I be better off? Well, 20, 29 points last week, that's for sure. Unbelievable stuff. That it's a real sliding doors moment for us all. Oh, he's on so he's on set pieces. Cash never does any goals. Hmm. Um, and then yeah, I mean in answer to um ESR Sexual's question with Luca Dean, I mean, I was looking at buying a Wolves defender just as a defensive play. Effectively, that's literally the only reason I can probably think of for buying one. Um, I've got a bit of an unpalatable sort of situation where I sold Kilman two weeks ago, well, last week, no, this week, and maybe I'm thinking of buying him back. She's got the best baseline bonus, he's 4.6. Look at that, was, Roman Sias is 5.0, he's got the best goal for it the whole season. Connor Cody's now up to 4.8. 
I rue selling him when I, I picked him up at 4.5 way back when game weeks five, I think it was when I did my wild card. Had him at 4.5 the whole time and sold him just because I needed 0.1 on my wild card game 24. Oh, if only I kept the guy. Um it's 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 a horrible set of players, really. Um I was looking at Johnny just because I mean he's he's back from ACL injury, so it might be a bit risky. I appreciate that completely. But Again, tiny sample size. Last two uh, weeks since he's been back, he's second for chance to create amongst defenders. And I think there's enough space between games to make him potentially worthwhile. But I mean, I don't really want to be paying more than 4.6 for a Wolves defender looking at a defensive data. Um, so, you know, Kilman or Johnny is basically what this game week has reduced me to. That is how uninfused I am by the game week ahead of us. Right, Harry. Benny's questions, we need to answer them. Who is worth taking hit for this week and who's a good buy going forward beyond this game week? So who would you be saying is worth a hit for this week? I think there's only a handful of players I take a hit for, which would probably be Kane, Son, Kudasevsky, Saka, Lacazette, maybe Doherty, and maybe an Arsenal defender if you don't own any of the others and you wanted to cover it and if you didn't own the Spurs. But that's five players from the attackers that I would say, yes, the others are questionable. I don't think I'd want to add anything more on top of that. Well, I, I agree. It, it would, I would be bringing in a Spurs or Arsenal player initially. If we're doing really well, probably Wolves defender is going to be just good science. But I mean, if not, it's close between basically just leaving it and playing with fewer, one fewer player versus making a transfer for a hit. I mean, from speaking to you, it feels like, you know, I should be looking again at selling Dean and just think, nah, screw it. Just go in with seven and hope for the best and hope it's like, you know, that, that Mo Salah game week against Watford where if I get the captain right, it's all going to be all right. I mean, overall, what do we expect from a blank game week? I mean, from my perspective, I think don't expect loads. I'm speaking to you, I think that that's, that's kind of consolidated that sort of perspective. And I think you can really get what you need by covering the key men. Eight is probably the minimum, but maybe seven if we hate all the defenders. <laughs> and I wouldn't go taking loads of hits. I know it's been a bit of a fashion recently, but I wouldn't be going off doing that to cover off guessing them as it's kind of arbitrary how it's going to go this week. It's like high variance and maybe what you've done this week to shore yourself up and take those massive hits. What's the time you should have really been doing it? If you've got to this point, you're like, oh, you know, I've got three or four players. Play your free hit. Don't have that. Just cover a few key men. Hope for the best. <laughs> but I think the priority has to be getting those free Arsenal and free Spurs, really, because of the, the kind of a downstream sort of benefits, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Those few, particularly the attackers, I think. The Kane, the Sons, the Saka, the Lacazettes. It's probably where I'd focus. But if you haven't got these players, I imagine it's because you've been focusing on the previous two game weeks and you've probably done better as a result for not having them in your team. So yeah, just sort of try and put it behind closed doors and it goes as well as you can if you are down. I do think seven is probably still doable as well this week. I wouldn't worry too much about being seven. You'll probably take a red arrow, but I wouldn't expect it to be that much. All right, maybe it's just one. We all have them every now and again where you've got that one week where you kind of just think, Right, I'm not going to watch any football this this weekend. Yeah. I'm just going to just you know just ignore it. It's not it's not happens. It's fine. I know what I've done. I, overall, like, what do you expect from a blank game week? Not loads, and don't throw the baby out the bathwater and go over the board. Because at the end of the day, 
there's going to be more profit later on when more teams have good games. This game week is not a good game week by any stretch. So it's just not worth going overboard on. And with that, we move into the transfers and captains. As mentioned, I've got six players now. Hooray. I've got in goal Aaron Ramsdale, who I'm very, very happy about owning. Luca Dean is now injured, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do with him. If I am listening to Harry, I won't be removing him for anybody else. If I was to remove him somebody else, it's probably going to be a Wolves defender. Um, I've got Dardy. I've got Saka, Martinelli, Kulisevsky. I'm going to probably do Fraser to Barnes. I think that's, that's that one's probably almost definitely happening. Just leave him in there, 6.5, whatever. And I'm going to captain Kane. And that would be my, my 7 slash 8 if I um, move Dean on. And as I said earlier on, maybe it's a weekend where I just think, you know what? Actually, no, I'm in Bristol. I'm going to have to watch, I'll at least have to watch the Wolves game and have to watch the the Arsenal game. I've got through for Arsenal. Oh, maybe I will buy a Wolves player, just have some skin in the game on that Friday night game. That's really, that's such a strange way of deciding who I'm going to buy. I could end up with Sice and hoping for a goal, who knows. But 4.5 million, Johnny, come on, Johnny, let's hope for the best. Oh, I don't even know. And uh, yourself, you're looking pretty good there, really. I mean, you've, you've got two defenders, but we've been potentially out. But I mean, you've got a decent 10 there. And I think that it sounds like you was going to roll it. Yeah, I think just going back to our defender option, I think the only caveat to taking a defender transfer is if it allows you to free up money that you'd need to go for one of those big hitters. So I was looking at your team and thinking, do you need to sell Dean downgrade in order to go and get Barnes in? But if that's not the case, then I wouldn't do it. But if you needed to, then it's probably slightly more worth it. But yeah, 10 this week, Saar, White, Doherty, Rafinha, Saka, Odegaard, Kulisevsky, Kane, Captain, Jimenez, Watkins. I'm not expecting much from any of them, to be honest. Uh, I've got a lot of players in here who are sort of twos and threes which will probably I've got more players than other people but I've got more dud players than other people I think looking at my squad but I plan on rolling it because Dean up to the likes of Cancelo or Dean up to the likes of Reese James if he's back fit is likely to be my transfer and I'll need another transfer to downgrade one of those dud players in the likes of Ollie Watkins in order to free up that money so hoping to just roll it and I think 10 is fine absolutely is so when you when you look into use a second free hit do you have a concrete plan in place? Not exactly. So I'm in the moment, my chip strategy is wildcard in either 31, 32 or 34 and the free hit in game week 33. However, if I push my wild, if I push my wildcard back to game week 34, I don't love free hitting the week before you play a wildcard because you can use your transfers in the build up and dead end into 33, which would then mean I then have a free hit spare to play at some point which could then end up in game week 37, which could also be a double game week. So at the moment, it's all up in the air a little bit, depending on how many announcements we get, how the double in game week 33 looks, how basically how close I can get to, I can get to a potential good 33 squad. I think there's been very mild rumours of a Arsenal very Spurs, very, very mild rumours of, of that, which again would mean I'm fairly set up, which would mean a 34 wild card and no free hit. But so it's all up in the air, basically. Okay. I mean, if you were going to end up wildcarding in 31, if you're kind of struck with yeah. inspiration over the course of this week, Dean to who? What would you do as your one-week sort of punt? <laughs> Is there a one-week punt you go for? Well, 
I can't go for a Tottenham option because I've already got three. I can't go for an Arsenal option because I've already got three. So it would either be adding another Wolves option in size probably. And there's a very, very tiny chance that it goes in the Leicester-Brentford game and it could honestly go for either side. Saiz is probably the number one it would go to if I do decide to to a wild card in 31. But I think the chances are that I won't know that come the game week 30 deadline because we won't have the announcements for 33. So even if there's a chance, I think I'll just roll it anyway. I think that's everything for today. Yeah, covering off. What do we expect from a, a blank game week? And I think we've put an hour podcast into saying not very much and don't worry about it too much effectively. And that most of the <laughs> options that we can go through this week are probably, again, nothing to write home about. But thank you all for listening. Second podcast on. Hopefully it was more streamlined than maybe the first one, although I think Tom did a very good job at cutting my stuttering and my stomachs throughout. So we were, of course, who got the assist and you can follow us on WGTA underscore FPL. Yep, thanks. We're back in um, Monday in two weeks. We're going to take advantage of the international break, have some time off. We'll be joined then to preview game week 31 and see how everything has gone by Seb Vassell. Wassell. Wassell. One of them. Not Darius Vassell. Seb Wassell of the Scoutcast was a great guest last time we had him on. Um, so really looking forward to having him back. In the meantime, all the best for the second half of double game week 29 all the best in the blank and game week first hope we assisted you to some extent they're all rubbish don't touch them and we'll be speaking to you again very very soon goodbye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist sports social podcast network